Do you invest in ETFs? Whether you're thinking, what in the world is an ETF? Or you're looking for the next opportunity to add to your portfolio. GlobalX has you covered. From big tech to bonds and bars of gold, GlobalX offers a wide range of exchange-traded funds. Go beyond ordinary with GlobalX ETFs. Visit globalxetfs.com.au. That's globalxetfs.com.au. Are you thinking about starting your wealth-creating journey but not sure where to put your hard-earned dollars? InvestSmart can help. InvestSmart offers a free quiz that makes it easy to find the right InvestSmart ETF portfolio to help you reach your goals. Just visit investsmart.com.au and hit get started. Answer a few simple questions about your goals and how much you want to invest and you'll get a tailored statement of advice with a portfolio recommendation. You can visit investsmart.com.au for a no obligations free statement of advice. This ad is brought to you by InvestSmart Advice, AFSL 334107. Hey there, here's a quick note. This podcast contains general financial advice only. That means it's not specific to you, your needs, goals, or objectives. So don't act on the information until you've spoken with your financial advisor. You'll find our full disclosure, disclaimer, and link to our financial services guide in the show notes. Drew Meredith, welcome back. How you going? Pretty good. Good to be back. Yep. Just had to check the title. This is Two Cents. So the Two Cents segments on the Australian Investors Podcast. Every week, Saturday morning, 7am, we answer your questions, tell you what we've been working on this week. Uh, This is our first episode for 2023. It's good to be here. I feel like I'm in the presence of royalty (laughs) as well. Congratulations in order. Yeah. Well, thank you, sir. And uh, why is that? Uh, well, I saw a, a, a survey came out uh, late last week. We were named the third most popular financial influencer or finfluencer. Is that a, a, a title you- Endearing. Endearing title? <laughs> I've got to admit, like when I saw that, I heard about it and I was like, huh, probably don't want that one. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, the whole survey was about the mixed views on Finfluencers, wasn't it? Yes. Which was the the challenge, I guess, that came out of it. Yeah, it was done by an ETF provider, and I think what the I think maybe the origin of the question I don't know, but I think would have been where are you getting your information? Yeah. And if you use social media, who do you follow? Yeah, yeah. Which that's probably that's pretty big now, so yep. it makes sense. But like, I think there's a distinction that I would just. Uh, draw, and I don't want to mean any offense to any of our peers, which is that long before we were doing podcasts, we were in investing. Yeah. Whereas a lot of people come to podcasting or social media and they learn about it as they go through social media. So it's quite a distinction. And I think I just want to draw that out because like, you know, out of uni in 2012, 2013, I could have been a financial advisor, but I chose to be an investment analyst. It was only a few years later that I then become, you know, this... (laughs) Anyway, but a part of, I mean, the interesting part of the other influences is that you're tracking their journey, so people are learning with them. Exactly, um, and yeah, That's I mean, a it's an appeal, right? And the difference, and um, which everyone is catching up to, is that we've you've been licensed, and we've been licensed for yeah, forever since 2005. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Like, there's never been a question. Actually, I got this question on uh, Twitter the other day. The RAS Group and myself, I've never worked in the industry without working under a license. Yeah. Like, I don't think you, like that's 2012, 2013. You can't. 
Yeah. So, and even when we started the business, we were licensed before we started. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's just that's just the way it goes. But True thinks, thanks that the Touchy kudos topic. are going towards me today. Um, I will say congratulations. Um, <laughs> Drew Meredith is a purveyor of very fine <laughs> luxury goods. <laughs> he was quoted in uh, Forbes. Uh, and the article was how to profit from indulgence. <laughs> the complete opposite of my lifestyle. So, yes. Is that a Rolex? It made sense. <laughs> it's a Series 1 Apple Watch. <laughs> yeah, but um, I think you were quoted in this article. The wealth effect from falling property and share market values will likely impact consumer spending at some point. There you go. And you go on to say something to the effect of the ability of luxury items to maintain and carry their value will likely contribute to a smoother ride for spending in this sector. So that's a what I'm saying there is that Chanel bags or Gucci bags can actually be an investment. <laughs> there is there is proven, one person tunes in for that part. There is the proven stats that show that they hold their value. And that's because they don't allow resale. Really? Most of the time, yeah. But isn't that what you quoted satire in this article, which is the ASX listed thing that spends a lot of money on marketing? Um, is, isn't that for resale of luxury items? I think it's direct sale. Oh. From major brands. Oh, right. Okay. But there what's is it, yeah, there is a tendency for luxury for certain luxury brands because they control and they control knockoffs and those sort of things quite well. Similar to, you know, wine, don't collect wine, cars. Oh, yeah, we talked Artwork. about yeah. yeah. Particularly at the higher end, but that was oh, oh, that was kind of the – my part of the message was interest rates, inflation. You saw retail sales drop in December significant, mm. like significantly more than the experts predicted. And I was kind of saying that luxury items will probably fall off for demand like everything else, but they do tend to hold their value. I went past – because we d- we're not far from um, Collins Street here. I went past one of the luxury stores and they were selling this thing. It was like a ring, so I googled it. It was forty thousand dollars. I was like, "Sorry, sorry, <laughs> who's buying sorry, this? Sorry, <laughs> who's buying this thing?" <laughs> I, I tried to go to Gucci before Christmas. I couldn't get in. <laughs> they probably saw you coming. Like, beard, get out. Wearing my Rask t-shirt. Finfluencer, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> nah. <laughs> um, okay, so in these episodes, they are a bit more relaxed. We answer your questions. Uh, you can send a question into us. We've got heaps, so we're just going to try and answer a few. Mm-hmm. Um, send a question to us via any of the Rask websites there's a big thing in the menu that says ask a question select the Australian Investors Podcast if you're new here as apparently thousands of people are because so many people tuned in over January for the first time um, the best thing to do is to give us a funny name when you give your name what shall we call you is what the question says give us a funny name because if you get if you are awarded the funniest name for the week you get a pass to the Value Investor Program, which is a $500 course that teaches you everything about value investing and you get it for free. But you do have to follow us up because we don't know who you are because you gave us a funny name. So, leave, leave a real email. <laughs> yeah, yeah, actually just like enable us to identify you in some way. You'll have to figure it out. That's investing. Um, we, we do answer the questions, but as always, as the disclaimer goes at the start of the show and at the end, we don't know personal circumstances. So even if you do ask a question, there's no chance that we would know who you are and we know your circumstances. So remember that any of the information is strictly limited to general financial information. If you want to learn more, you can head to our financial services guide on the RASC website, or you can speak to your financial planner, which we would encourage you to do. Drew, right here, is a financial planner. If you are interested, Waddle Partners Financial Planning, um, waddlepartners.com.au. That's the place to go. Okay, Drew, 
before we get into questions, we normally start the show with a bit of what have you been working on? And I've got one thing that I'm going to call out, which is not what you've been working on, what happened to you during Christmas slash New Year's period, but what have you been working on? What's topical in your life, mate? Well, we're taking a leaf out of your book and uh, oh, <laughs> launching our own- I didn't get that. Can try again? <laughs> okay, Siri. Launching our own uh, monthly market update. So we obviously- uh, advise clients how to mm. how to manage money, how to manage their superannuation on a quarterly basis, but we try to communicate them. And you know, it's twenty twenty three, so we decided move away from paper <laughs> uh, and record a bit of a market update with Jamie Nemesis, my business partner, and I. Yep. Um, and it, it's, it probably took us too long, but that reminder that to our clients that we're we're yeah. in the room, it feels like you're in the room with them. So, but Waddle Partners financial planning is growing quickly. Definitely, yeah, really quickly. It seems from the the self wealth series we did together, and even talking about retirement a lot on here, that there is a lack of advisors or groups focusing specifically on helping people in retirement. Yeah. And I think a lot of advisors go into the industry and try to help everyone. Yeah, and I've talked about it a, a lot. Whereas you you want someone that is niche in Specialist. a certain area, yeah. and it seems like few are doing it. So if you want to get in contact, there will be a link in the show notes, um, and um, there's a bit of a page, a bit of a spiel about all of us on the um, in that link. So it just says financial planning there. Um, what else have you been working on? That's really exciting. Uh, we had a, a close friend or associate <laughs> had a uh, an, an issue. We, you call it scam, but it's I, I believe it's uh, specifically defined as spooking. Spooking. If you, yeah. If you know a lot of what's going on in the industry, well, it's... A lot of scamming going on at the moment with bank accounts, invoices, emails, malware, all these sort of things. Thanks, Optus. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, was, I use Optus and Medibank. So <laughs> the fact that I have anything at the moment is Privacy is an illusion. <laughs> all I got was my passport, my address, and my birth date. So I'm sure you can't do anything with that. Uh, all they need is your login details, don't they? Exactly. Um, so, okay. So, spooking- Probably a public service announcement. This is public PSA, as the kids say. Take us on this journey, Drew. What happened? So it involves so spooking scares the person on the other end of the phone as much as they can to to give you something that you need. Um, In this case, it was authorization codes to move money out of bank accounts. Now, clear, this isn't. Waddle Partners. This, <laughs> this did not happen to a client. Waddle Partners was not involved. It's a close, personal close, friend. yeah, personal friend, exactly. Um, and essentially, from I mean, I saw the police report that <laughs> was put in, uh, but it's essentially the someone purporting to be the bank that they banked with uh, called, kept them on the phone for about an hour and a half, and convinced them there'd been fraudulent activity on their bank account, huh. and convinced them to provide as many as four to five authorization codes from a multi-factor authentication app. So like that thing that's on your phone. Yeah, yep. exactly. Like the, yep. so, all these banks are so secure now, but if you if you give up those codes, that money can go anywhere. So it was something like $100,000 was transferred out of a uh, offset account from mm-hmm. directly from a bank account. So like in four or five separate transactions, they had yep. to give a code to send money somewhere because they're big amounts of money. I think I have to do that with my bank. Each time, yeah. Yeah. And- the person provided those to this whoever was on the phone yep. to transfer money around. Yep. On the on the after being convinced that they needed to provide those goes to fix an issue, not mm. to create one. So a hundred grand. That's a yep. I've heard of this happening with like maybe not 
to this extent, I've heard of like, you know, a couple hundred bucks. Yeah. This is serious coin. Did they get the money back? Did they get the money back? Well, uh, there's no insurance. And for these sort of things, the police essentially can't can't do anything because the money's gone. So what it comes down to is how quickly it's identified Mm. and whether the money can be recalled and whether it had left the destination bank account before the recall was requested. So I know, because we've spoken about this, I know this is an Australian bank. Two Australian banks, yeah. So so they used the bank account of your friend to send money to another Australian bank account, which could then send it on somewhere else. Yeah. Is that weird though? Because then wouldn't the scammer need to have access to both bank accounts? Assume so. Because uh, otherwise, how do, what, do they just park in another Aussie bank and then they just get their money back? Yeah. So if they, I'd suggest it would be difficult to get it out of the second bank account quickly. So in this case, they found out within about an hour and a half, which, but uh, as I understand, two weeks on and nothing yet. Wow. It's a hundred grand down the drain. Yeah. Interestingly, um, you might be able to refer your friend. We just did an episode with Glenn James on the show, the first hundred K. Yeah. So that was what I put in the title. Exactly. Yeah. There you go. Um, just let them know. Save that money back up. And there's a, <laughs> but there's a finance lesson there, isn't there? Yeah, there's like many. <laughs> yeah. But apart from, so the big one would be PSA for the young people. Yeah, definitely. If a bank calls you, don't give them anything. Call them back. <laughs> Call them back. That's what you should do. I did that the other do. day. That someone called me. Yeah. And it turns out it was legit. Uh, Optus called me. It I was Comsec. Comsec called me. I'm like, nah, mate. I'm not giving you that. I'll call you back. And he's like, okay, just call this. Like, go to the website, call the number, blah, blah. Yeah. Got it. Got back. Yeah. That's. I mean, that's got to be the other main one. But then, personal finance wise, you think for for that person, that's not a amount of money you can save to in a short period of time. That's you just a, have to. That's a shed load of money. Accept it and essentially go and earn it back. That's any. Some people hearing this will think. That is just so much money to go from a scam. hundred grand. Just definitely. And I, yeah. Yeah. In an hour. In an hour. Yeah. That's an expensive phone call. <laughs> okay. So that was a lesson learned. Like don't, um, yeah, just be really careful. Just make sure you hang up, call them back. You've um, been doing some fun things though. Uh, uh, oh yeah, we're fishing. Um, yeah I went fishing Um, we've yeah I've been you know what Drew first time I've ever had more than a week off since 2017 um, was this this January and I still managed to work a lot (laughs) okay well the the problem is when you enjoy it it's just you want to do it anyway that's that's what I've found and when it's your own business it's totally different everyone listening to this would know Um, it's actually so Glenn James, who this is interesting. I was chatting to him the other day, and I chatted to him on the podcast separately. But um, he recently, with my million of money, went to a four day work week. Yeah. And I'm super keen to hear about this because a lot of people do this, like in other parts of the world, and particularly um, New Zealand. And I was like, oh, so what's the outcome? And he's got this like set of rules around what can and can't be done. And he said it's actually really good. He says it's a great impact. He said he's not working four days though. That's the thing. Yeah. He's working five days because then he uses that fifth day to do all of the deep work that he needs to do. Yeah. Which is, I think, is a great way. I think it's great because it's basically saying no one's going to contact me because they're not working. <laughs> they're having fun. I'm here. You build your own productivity. Yeah, yeah. and you then have mm. a proper two days on the weekend, which for a business owner sounds like bliss. 
So that was something that was really neat. Um, we've aired some fantastic episodes recently. We had uh, Glenn, obviously, uh, Dania from Wilson, uh, alternative investor, private equity, all that. Um, Renee uh, Condolis, she was on the show recently doing a case study, uh, high net worth advisor from Perpetual. We had Nick Crocker, uh, just, I reckon the Nick Crocker episode, if you haven't already listened to it, is probably a top two episode ever recorded on a RAS podcast. Um, absolutely brilliant. Um, especially for anyone that's a founder, early stage investor. And we also had Nikki uh, Shavak, who was on the show. Fantastic. He's the founder of Blackbird. Yep. Awesome. Awesome caliber. And we've got some, like we've got a huge year coming up. I think, Drew, I can announce this because it was announced and I saw the email. <laughs> um, Rask, I'm very proud to say, I'm actually really proud of this. Uh, and in particular, this podcast channel, the Australian Investors Podcast, we've been... Uh, chosen to do the joint venture with the Australian Shareholders Association. So what that means is um, many of the episodes that you will hear this year are in collaboration with the ASA. So the ASA is Australia's biggest not-for-profit organization that focuses on shareholder advocacy. If you care about, um, you know, I guess, holding management accountable, uh, voting with intention at AGMs, um, not having to ask the hard questions yourself, but getting someone else to jump behind the mic, um, if you've ever heard those questions, you'll know that like they're sometimes cringy, but they're really to the point. Yeah, they put make the CEOs and the boards feel uncomfortable, which is thankfully they're doing it because I don't want to do that. Like I wouldn't have the balls to do that. But we're stoked, so we're going to be part of like their events. I think Drew, you're going to be featuring too, which is going to be heaps of fun. And to be honest, it's just you know we get to work with a lot of great brands and whatever, and. Um, there's not, well, there's really, there's no other brand in Australia that's like them. Yeah. Um, so for us to be working with them, to be doing their podcast, to be representing them via this new medium, it's just such an honor. So I'm super, uh, take a lot of pride in that. Um, credit to you. Credit. <laughs> Moving on. Um, okay. So we're going to have a few more. <laughs> we're going to have a, a few more, um, Oh, geez, I have to impose myself after that. Uh, we're going to have a few more uh, regular hosts on the show this year. If you know Luke Larrative from Seneca, loves a, loves a stock tip. So he'll be on the show. Him and I Chris. disagree all the time, <laughs> yeah. which is fantastic. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of disagreement. Um, Evan Lucas, who I know is a super, super fan um, favorite. So he'll be joining us as well. And there's also someone else uh, that will be joining us semi-regularly uh, on the show. So uh, it's going to be a massive year. I just told you off air, Drew, across the RAS podcast, uh, in January, we reached 100, I think it was 137,000 listeners. Massive. Which is incredible. Like, incredible. <laughs> uh, anyway, my face hurts. So let's get on to, let's get on to, uh, to what's been going on in the investment markets lately, mate. We're 17 minutes in. <laughs> it's been massive. Like, I've to, I mean, I probably should have said at the beginning, I've launched a retirement blog. I'm not retired, but I'm writing about retirement. <laughs> Trying to and, make himself look older. Yeah. <laughs> the beard didn't work. <laughs> the greys are helping. Um, essentially, I'm just trying to write a, a heap of articles, only articles this year, from the perspective of a retiree. What matters? Cool. What should you be thinking about? Because no one else seems to be doing it. And a lot of the, we've been talking about it regularly, a lot of the financial media just ebbs and flows with whatever's topical, and it's not very useful in yeah. making decisions. It's just whatever's, you know, we're talking about, uh, energy stocks year after energy stocks were up 30%. We probably should talk to them two years ago. Yep. But it's trying to go around and, and think about all the different things that impact on retirees. Yeah. And that's so hard the, to do. If you are a journalist at a major financial publication, 
you have to talk about the thing that's topical right you now. Clips, clicks. You, you need the clicks. Yeah. But in your situation, you don't. That's not what it's about. It's more like that educational piece on it. And you've been doing this for a long time, like with all of the newsletters and stuff that you used to run as well. Yeah. Um, that's cool. So where do you this? And by the way, this is news to me. Where do you where do you publish this? So we're a part of a couple of publications, but the main one for this is called The Inside Investor. Yeah, okay. Uh, which is essentially SMSF trustees and other investors are reading. It's a lot of newsworthy things, what impact will retail sales have on stock markets, um, and yeah, broadly, yeah, things right. that are relevant yeah, cool. and so timely. Yeah, so you're focusing on like, um, you're focusing on the retirement within that. Okay, so inside investor, we'll put a link yep. in the show. Oh, I am, but broadly the content on there will focus yep. on what's happening in markets and uh, and regulation as well. Okay, I'm just chucking this in the notes, so you'll see that uh, link to that in the in the show notes, guys. I'm aiming for fortnightly, so I've done two. I'm on. Put you on the spot now. Which is daily? Or? I'm on. <laughs> I won't commit myself to that again. That uh, yeah, that daily's a struggle, but yep. still still running two years on. Really? Yeah. Well, James Dunn's picked up a bit of it. Some, he? Yeah, he's, yeah, he helps out a bit. He writes for the Inside Investor too. Yeah, XBRW yeah. News Corp. Yep, great writer. Just yeah. recently wrote. We're probably having the show recently upcoming. He wrote shares for Dummies book. He did. Yeah, yeah. He's written, I think he's written five of them. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, great. Uh, worthy, uh, worthy uh, can, candidate for the uh, second one. Um, cool. What else? The the big two were you know the topics for that were what's what happened in markets in twenty twenty two. We we do quarterly reviews for our clients, and naturally, all the questions are coming up: is why did I get a negative return, or yep. what what should a return have been last year? Yeah, um, you saw the Nasdaq down thirty for twenty twenty two, government bonds down eleven to thirteen percent, so your lowest risk asset lost money. Yeah, not correlated. Yep, not, not <laughs> everything was correlated last year. <laughs> Don't but you the, love that, though? Yeah. Don't you love that? Like, ah, oh, it's not correlated. Then in a crash, it correlates. Everything goes. This is a, everything goes yeah, to one. Yeah. This is what they don't. I think they tell you in the textbooks, but no one, everyone ignores it, that uh, correlations in a crisis go to one. Yeah. Well, GSC, everyone was like, oh, I'll just buy bonds. Yeah. That didn't work. <laughs> that was defaulted. Didn't <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Okay. But the most interesting thing has been like the divergence between in returns, depending on mm. what what we would say, what mistakes you made in 2021 that set your portfolio up in 2022. How you, do you mean? If, well, if you look back in 2021, not a single person was predicting what would happen in 2022. No one thought interest rates were going up. No one thought inflation was happening. No one predicted the market to fall 30% or 20%. To the moon. Yeah, exactly. A lot of people were still in crypto. A lot of people were buying long-duration government bonds, even though interest rates were near zero. You know, the the ASX hit an all-time high on the 1st of January, and so did the US markets, Mm. 2022, and spent the whole year going down from there, essentially. And the returns are so spread. So Vanguard would be just your index was down 11% as a balanced option in 2022. Wait, Uh, is that the the VDBA? Like the the 60-40? Is it 60-40 or 50-50? Yeah, yeah, okay. That's the, and that's just index. So you're just taking whatever the index was. And with that long duration. Exactly. And that's that's what the challenge, I mean, the issue for Vanguard last year, but it worked for 10 years before that. Yeah. And like everything, everyone says broken the one year off it's a bad year, which we're the opposite of. More like there's an, a multi-manager index that was down 6.8. Australian Super was down about 4% for the year. Future yeah. Fund came out today. They were down 3.7% for the year. So even the smartest, I'm doing air quotes, air quotes here. It. Yeah, <laughs> even the smartest people lost money last year. Yeah. Um, and it was only one or two things that uh, stopped people from losing money. Yeah. Um, that's investing. Exactly. Yeah. But you said there's a divergence between people like mistakes. Like long duration 
that was for a lot of folks. I think that was, we'll untangle what that exactly that means in a minute, but that was a risk. That was like, that should have, if you're, if you knew you're investing, that shouldn't have been in your portfolio. That's just a dumb mistake. Yeah. I could, <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a lot of investors like, pension funds that are forced to hold a portion in long duration. Yeah. They can't do anything about it, so they hedge it in different ways. Yeah. But it doesn't make sense if it, it was you know, blindly, when interest rates around the world are close to zero, it's hard to believe that they're going to go much lower. Yeah. Maybe you can believe they're not going to go anywhere. We thought they were going to go up. They went up. Like there was highest probability was, was that they would go up. So, okay. So now just to, to explain what that means. So, um, we talk about it a lot, but long duration or duration is the thing that confuses most people when they talk. When, like, even if you know about the stock market, that's the thing. This is the thing that confuses people. So, what it means is, if you're long duration, it basically means that you've got a long dated exposure to something. So, let's take government bonds. It might be ten or twenty years. If there's a change in sentiment or a change in interest rates, for example, they are the most sensitive because that investment is for twenty years. Whereas the one that's like for six months. That's least sensitive because after six months, you could just reset it. Yeah, you get your money back, $100. Yeah. So when we say if you were long duration, what we mean is that you were invested in things that were long-term yeah. and really sensitive. So when interest rates go up, bonds fall, you mean you get more sensitivity. Yeah. Um, now, what what I did, Drew, is a couple of years ago, we moved out of long duration. We moved into cash yeah. and we moved into floating rates like hybrids and that sort of stuff. Same as us. Yeah. So that was the easiest thing. And in particular, during coronavirus, like that coronavirus crash, we'll call it, in the stock market, the government in Australia was subsidizing the banks, which meant that there were these honeymoon term deposits of like 1%, if you remember them. Yeah. Um, so you could take your money out of bonds and put it into the TDs, which would give you 1%, which is better than zero, because you knew that sooner or later, interest rates would have to do something, and they're probably not going to go negative. And no capital risk in a in a term deposit. Yeah, that's it. But bonds are repriced every day. That's it. But now, Drew, let's fast forward to the end of 2022. Yeah. And all of a sudden, interest rates, official interest rates are over 3%. People think we're closer to the top of the cycle for interest rates. Some people think. Some people think. So stocks have plummeted, as you said. Yep. When stocks fall, the inverse is the yield or the expected return goes up. So this is where... People that chase returns or are new to investing get it completely backward. Yep. So now we should be looking at reversing some of those trades. Buy low, sell high. Yeah, exactly. Whereas a lot of people are the other way, you know, that behavior gap image where it's, it's like, <laughs> what is it? Uh, greed, buy, fear, sell. Yeah. Greed, buy, re repeat until broke. And so I mean, you can see it in flows at the moment. So you can see where money's going in funds mm -hmm. and ETFs and it's going into all floating rate in yeah. 2023. Yeah. And that's after- It's the opposite. It's always the opposite. And so, it's like the top top performing fund from last year always gets more money this year. Yep. And we see that because all the studies show that managed funds, the investors inside the funds do worse than the funds themselves. Yep. Because they chase the returns from last Pretty year. Good, yeah. yeah. Um, I like Morgan Housel's quote. Well, there's a quote from Morgan. That's one. There's another, Have a drink. another one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's recency bias because I read his book recently. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's the one that, uh, let me get it right that what you do most days or the decisions you make every day don't matter. It's the decisions you make on the most difficult or emotional days that matter the most. Yep. And that's exactly what we're talking about. Yep. Exactly. Well said, Morgan. Um, <laughs> Not true. Credit to you. Credit, Credit to me. Um, so, yeah, and that's true. Like, we, So there's actually a question on this this week, which is um, 
Yeah, but before we get to that, actually, I'm gonna ask you one question because the stock market is up a huge way in Aussie, Australia. It's up. We got six percent here. SP 500. I think the Hang Seng was up eight percent. Yep. Nasdaq eleven percent. Question is, Drew. I think rates went up slightly in the U.S. this week. Inflation is it over? Yes. Oh my God! The shock. The studio what, goes. What was silent. my prediction? Uh, yeah, I don't. I mean, the RBA. <laughs> The RBA came out yesterday and said they think inflation peaked at 8% last year. It's coming down in America. It's coming down everywhere. I mean, there was a slightly higher than expected in Australia for uh, December. Mm-hmm. December, yeah. But it's clearly coming down. And, and interest rates haven't even had an impact on it yet. They've had an impact on sentiment, yep. but they have an impact directly on the economy. You can still see retail, people going out everywhere. So you've still got this one inflation's petering out. And people are reacting to higher, you know, the higher cost of petrol, higher rents. But you're about to see them stop spending money as well as yeah. their interest repayments go up. The prediction, if you do remember, if you're a regular listener of the Australian Investors Podcast, Drew said that interest rates would fall by the end of 2023. But then he backtracked and said, was it bonds would fall? Uh, the bond yield, probably the bond yield. Bond yield, which yeah. is a lot more. Which it already has. Yes, yeah, so it's already won <laughs> and we barely got into February. So if interest rates fall by the end of the year, what would that, like, so we're saying if, not, it's not guaranteed. We're just saying if, we're staring into our crystal ball. What would that mean for the major asset classes, stocks, bond, property, everything that most people listening to this right now, including myself, have exposure to. Depends what happens to the economy at the same time. If it's a, if it looks like they've overdone it and you're looking at a deep recession, well, it could be initially be a bad sign, if that makes sense. Yep. You know, if, if unemployment is going up heavily because everyone's, you know, the houses are defaulting, all that sort of, I can't the see that The real bad yeah. downturn, yeah. That's why I, I back backpedaled a little bit <laughs> because for the RBA to cut rates, would require, I think, something, something significant. Bad. Whereas yeah. the bond yield, I mean, the bond yield is already telling you that interest rates aren't going much higher. Yeah. So I think generally the bond yield, as we've seen in January, is positive for equities, positive for property. You think people are, there's a mismatch between sellers and buyers in residential property at the moment. Yeah. Uh, all Basically, every asset valuation technology would benefit if interest rates slow down. Pretty much every asset will benefit from lower interest rates. Yeah. Apart so- from gold. Yeah, that's what happened. Yeah, um, yeah so what that means is, um, I, and we said this. By the effing dip. Yeah, by the <laughs> effing dip. So we said this before Christmas and during Christmas, we said this, and in early Jan, we said that if you think about it now, and we are like real estate agents talking about property, and you could probably say the same thing. We are basically saying that if you are going to invest, the conditions for investing are probably some of the best you'll get. That was the second article I wrote for the retirement blog. Oh, really? The, uh, it was called, Has There Been a Better Time for a Retiree to Invest? There you go. Probably not for 15 years. Because I, I, I've only been doing this. I've been doing this as long as you since like 2012, 2013. Um, I, I can't think of... I, 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 there's not. You like, we would plug this crap into our discounted cash flow analysis and be like, oh, yeah, it's 20% right. undervalued. <laughs> <laughs> and then you go to the next one, oh, yeah, it's 20%. Yeah. Now, it's like, if it's a good quality business, it's fair value. Yeah. You know, and and you can you can take less risk than ever. And this article was that boring. I listed the returns on offer from cash, term deposit, high yield bank accounts, government bonds, corporate bonds, hybrids, yeah. senior secured, this the whole spectrum. And you can get four percent in a term deposit. You think, need to be aware of inflation. Yeah, yeah there is risk. Like if inflation keeps going up, you're gonna get you're gonna get swamped because in 
interest rates could go higher, which would hurt a long exposure in a lot of these asset classes. Though Glennie James did say, you know, not everyone's impacted in flat by inflation the same way. Yeah, true. I do follow Glenn. Enjoy his candid posts. He does have candid posts. Um, Well, that's true. Uh, And they're not. And if you're a long-term investor, it's really just like, yeah, sure, no worries. Um, I've got a good job. I'm cashed up. Let's buy. Um, Which is that's kind of happens to be where I'm at. So I was actually going to say before, and it's the email that I wrote to our members recently for Rascor, nine ninety nine a month. Get in board. Get on board. um, Is I'm going on the offensive this year in every single way possible. Yeah. Now people are going like to hear that being like, offensive or that too. <laughs> no, offensive uh, with my portfolio in every way I can. So and that people hear that and they'll be like, "That's crazy." But if you think about, it, I'm going to accumulate with a high risk tolerance. That's not for me. That's not for everyone. Drew will be different to me. You'll be different to me. Everyone in the office will be different to me. But I'm saying that I think I'm happy to go and buy risk on assets as much as I can. Yeah. Because it's right for me and the market is right for me. And that, that could take multiple different shapes. It could be an investment property. It would, yes, I know. Uh, it could be, it will definitely be- Farm. Maybe a farm. That's what I'm working towards. It will definitely be, um, you know, equities. There's no question. And I think, I think maybe some subtle disagreement might be, I actually think Aussie equities are still pretty good value. Yeah, I think Generally. that was the question came up on self wealth too, didn't it? Yeah, it's true. just the construction of the index and where the returns have come from to get Aussie equities near an all time high again. Yeah, true. We've had a lot of cyclical stuff <laughs> popping, but the rest yeah. of it hasn't. Yeah, but that's where you've got like some of the tech stocks, some of the industrials. They've been laggards, and they might still be for a little while. But yeah. you might get an opportunity. US has been smoked, obviously, for its growth, anything growth related. But maybe as an outside investor, there's an opportunity there as well. And do you follow Josh Brown? Downtown. Yeah, downtown yeah. Josh Brown, <laughs> yeah. the Compound and Friends. You yeah. see his quote this week? No, what was it? He's always got the most useful topical stuff and he's kind of, you know, middle finger up to <laughs> up to the authorities. <laughs> Ex-broker. Yeah. yeah. So he came out and yeah, he's, what's it, the reform broker? Yeah. Um, he came out with, I think it was a Twitter. No, he's not on Twitter. He's, this he is just used a, to be on Twitter. Oh, yeah, he had he a quit. million followers yeah. before Twitter even had a million users. <laughs> <laughs> he quit. Yeah. When it was, yeah, well done. <laughs> He what uh, he came out. It was basically exactly what you're saying. Why you're going long now? So he he said in May last year, the Federal Reserve, so this is the U.S. Reserve Bank, yep. came out and said we are not considering a 75 basis point hike in interest rates here now or in the foreseeable future. They then in June, July, and August increased interest rates by 0.75 percent or 75 basis points. Just Six four weeks later. after he oh, said four, four weeks, weeks four weeks after. And that's his point was basically, don't know if the Federal Reserve and the Reserve Bank can't predict what they're going to do next month, and they're telling you that they're going to keep increasing rates. Yeah. Don't believe them. Make your decision. Don't try and forecast. Make your decision. Invest and move on. Move on. Yeah, yeah. that's it. Don't stop living in fairyland. I think is what he <laughs> what he finished with. <laughs> Maybe we need to be a bit more direct. Drew. <laughs> Okay, so let's get to the questions. Um, be sure to send them in. Ask a question is the link on the menu. We got heaps. Remember the best. Uh, name gets a prize. Uh, so I'll we, we're probably going to get through about five or six before we'll be hit by the buzzer. The wine to five till you die question mark says, "Hey yo, I'm 26 and starting out my investment journey to financial freedom and wanted to seek some good advice and help. Probably won't get any of that here. Sorry, mate. Um, everything seems to be incredibly expensive and mangled. What is your advice for?" Uh, 
someone like me on how to go about it and seek out uh, genuine help. Um, and obviously this, this writer in knows that um, we do not give advice on this podcast. You obviously a financial planner for that. We give general information so we can only speak generally, in which case we are going to speak generally. Um, and this is what I will say. So seeking out help, basically. Um, if you're a younger person, you know, just even the mere whiff of you wanting to take your investing and finance seriously is a great step. Most of the people around you will not be in that boat. Normally what happens, Drew, I see, particularly with younger people, is there has to be a reason. It's either an inheritance, kids, or marriage. Yep. And that's when they start to take things seriously. So if you're already front in front of that, great step. Um, what's the saying? Like if you're going to buy a property, start thinking about three years in advance. Yep. Um, and, you know, that's that's great. So... I would say don't waste your time with crypto or all the crap that you see if you're a younger person and you get it thrown in your face. It's all just rubbish. Stay away from high interest debt, credit cards, buy now, pay later, personal loans. Sure, people will say, oh, yeah, you can pay it off and blah, blah, blah. That might work for them. The, the sooner you can learn to live without it, the better your finances will be. Sure, then you can maybe try out those interest-free periods. There's no shortcut no to shortcut. wealth. Move on. <laughs> <laughs> that's no, but seriously, that's what we should have started with. Yeah, there's no shortcut. The, but if I mean, you have time, then you got that on your side. A few people get incredibly lucky, but there's no the the. I think the vast majority get incredibly unlucky yep. that are trying to do this. You know, trying to get rich quick, and yep. all the media, all the not the media, the advertising is driven by that. Could do this trade crypto, trade yeah. stocks, trade CFDs, trade whatever it happens to be. There is. Proven time and time again, compounding, boring old compounding is the biggest source of long-term returns. One of the best pieces, of, and how, yeah, I agree wholeheartedly with that. One of the best pieces of advice I got when I was probably about that age um, or a bit younger, probably early 20s, was, and this is fair. This is a fair thing, fair characterization. Don't waste time investing in things that are going to be good for the next one, two or three years. Don't even waste your time. Yep. Buy the things that are still going to be around in 20 years. Because as Charlie Munger would say, compounding is very powerful. Don't interrupt it. Buy the things that will just compound to infinity. And it just so happens that one of those things is index funds that just automatically rebalance. That's why people love them. They're anti-fragile. Holding companies like Berkshire Hathaway, Washington H.L. Pattinson, even banks to an extent. Um, And people at that age do the opposite. They go for the sexy high growth thing when it's probably the opposite you want to be doing. Um, and as you know, as partner Jamie Nemesis would say, the number one thing you've got to do is just not blow up on the way there. Yep. And I see, this is just my opinion only, Drew, I see these are the three areas where young people tend to blow themselves up. Cars, just so, cars. Yeah. They dri- You drive them and they fall in value. <laughs> Well, most good cars on on the road are funded by lease or by by, yeah. by debt. They yeah. has to be repaid at some point. I walk past so many cars, and I'm like, G wagons. I'm yeah. like, who who has the money for this? <laughs> like, housing. People yeah. get that wrong. Um, they buy apartments. They rush the. They get FOMO. They buy a first home that's no good. They have to, maintenance. Buy a property for sure. I'm all about that. But be 
mindful that your first property is the most important because it sets you up for the thing you do next. And make sure that's what you want to do. Don't buy a property because everyone exactly, else is. Yeah. Don't get FOMO. The Australian dream. Um, plenty of ways to save. You can share a house. You can. I heard one one thing that came through Instagram over the past week, Drew, was someone said that they live in a share house and they almost managed to pay no rent <laughs> because they convinced all of their roommates that they would do the uh, their cleaning and they would uh, do some of the cooking in exchange for lower rent. And they did it to the point where they basically don't pay rent. <laughs> so that was good. So cars, housing, and timing the market. Those okay. are my three. And I stole one of Kate's, which would be uh, automate as much as you can. Oh, yeah. Like if you got a credit card, make sure it's paid off. Yep. I like credit cards, but make sure they're automatically paid off so you don't miss payments. Yep. Um, great. Uh, what else? Yeah, that's basically it. Just take your time, do the sensible thing. Even if you just listen to a podcast once a week, doesn't have to be this one, just listen to a podcast once a week, you're probably going to learn most of what you need to accumulate wealth. It's when you get to those tricky periods where there's complicated situations where you definitely should seek out advice. A good accountant can help you with tax. Good, a lawyer would help you with more complicated stuff and a financial advisor will help you with things like retirement, things like more complicated investing. But just keep it simple. Keep it simple. Um Drew, we've got some, another question that have come through from um, <clears throat> Mortgage Prisoner. <laughs> mortgage Prisoner says, I've joined the Mortgage Prisoner Club as my attempts to refinance since July 2022 have been denied by all <clears throat> the lenders and I don't have any other option than to suck it up by the higher repayment until the tightening cycle ends. That can be a little while, sorry to say. I know in the long term, the offset account clearly shows a p- outperformance over high interest savings account. In the short term, to cope with the rise in interest rates, what are your thoughts? Should I park it in a high savings account instead of um, a, an offset account? No way. Yeah. <laughs> this is, I mean, you've, you've got, I'm going to steal your stat here. If you're paying, if you're paying any sort of tax, the after-tax cost of putting it into yep. your, your um, uh, high interest compared to your mortgage is just ridiculous. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and the only guaranteed return you get is to put in your offset account because yep. you're guaranteed not to be paying interest on it. Um, and the plus, yeah, as you know, the interest will be taxed. So this is the thing. Interest that you get from bank account is taxed. Offset account is not taxed. Yep. Um, if you're an accountant listening to this, I want to ask you a question. Write into us, please. This is a hypothetical question, Drew. If you have a business and that business has money in it, right, and you have an offset account. Anonymous question? or non- Anonymous question. Accountants, please tell us. Could that money be taken from that business account and put in a personal name, right? You hear what I'm saying? Div 7A. Is it? Yeah. Yep. So what I'm getting at is you could put that I'm, money in, a, a, in, in an a, offset I'm account. I'm authorized to tax financial advice services, but I'm not a tax agent. You yes, you can't yeah. do tax returns, but you can give tax advice. Yep. So you Related to investments. Yeah. So you couldn't take that money and put it in a personal offset account because you're not actually... You're not actually earning interest. You get what I'm saying? Yep, but you're saving interest. I think this is the, uh, I believe, this is not perfect, that any loan from a corporate sort of entity into a personal name Has to be is likely to be captured in Division 7A of the Tax Act. <laughs> We're getting into the weeds <laughs> Income now. Income Tax Assessment <laughs> ITAA. 2001, I can't remember which year. Um, Examiners, please don't be bad. <laughs> but the, usually, I think the requirement of that is you have to be uh, paying yourself interest. Yeah, because it has to be market rate. At a market rate, it's like 7%. So the person who receives the money in their offset account has to be 
remitting basically the interest rate back to the business. Yeah, it's just saying you can't get benefit from free money taken out of a company that should be being taxed when you take it out. Because I've often wondered about that, right? Yeah. Because I've often thought, well, if you're not earning any interest, you're not really dodging anything. You're just yeah. stopping paying more interest on your mortgage. You're still getting benefit from a, from money that hasn't been taxed properly yet. Oh, okay. That'd that's, be what it is. Yeah, that must make sense. That's interesting. So definitely uh, offset accounts almost always win. Why? <laughs> because it's not taxed and... A mortgage is more expensive than you get on your savings account. I know a lot of people or a lot of, uh, I think on maybe on socials, but in generally in personal finance, hate offset accounts. Why? Because they think if you've got such a large amount of money in that account, it's easier to spend it. Oh, yeah, behavioral economics, yeah. But if you, I mean, there's so many ways that you can put that aside and avoid that risk that overcome i mean the benefits of having an offset it's so much overcome the risk in my view as long as you put some protection around it if you're that kind of person that can't it gets complicated when you have a couple yeah because if one of them's a spender one of them's a saver yeah then you have the spender like (laughs) we need the poo with a honey pot there but what you can do then is you can have your mortgage with one bank and all of your transactions with the other bank. Yeah, and just feed it in out of the offset account regularly that's little tricks like that but i'd say anyone that's i mean i Anyone that says offset accounts aren't, should be used. It it's the complete opposite. Yep, I, I I think they're great. I think mortgages and getting a good mortgage and being sensible with that is one of the probably the biggest free kick for accumulators yep. in the country. We're going to get to investing stuff right now. Microcaps just want to have fun. Says <laughs> I currently use a person of the cloth. <laughs> Financial advisor. Uh, For the investment side of things, as I have a young family and feel that's the best way to relieve stress over self-managing, but I still want to involve myself in investing and manage my own account. What is the recommended broker to have fun? Could that cloth be linen? (laughs) Just hope that there's something more substantial behind it. (laughs) Um, Okay, so... First of all, we don't recommend brokers. We are sponsored by SelfWealth here on the Australian Investors Podcast, and we are sponsored by Perla over on the Australian Finance Podcast. But we do not get anything like a referral, anything like that for saying that anything to do with these guys. Nor do we recommend brokerages. We just don't do that. We're not in the business of that. So if we do mention any, just keep that in mind. What I would say is having fun and investing is okay, but... Well, Drew's like, well, <laughs> but good investing is boring. But yes, get your core right. Get your core right. Work on the core. The core is sexy. Core is sexy. Yeah, yep. Yeah, I get. I, yep. Yeah. Um, so, what I mean by this is, then this is behavioral economics here. Is if we say to someone, "Don't go buy individual micro cap stocks." I'm buying individual micro cap stocks. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go find the podcast that yeah. does that, mate. <laughs> So, so 400 of them. <laughs> yeah, so that's it. Whereas if I say to you, yes, go and get your fund money and go and get buy, 80% in your, in your core bottle portfolio. Automate into your ETFs mm-hmm. and your managed funds and your diversified portfolio. Let it go, rain, hail, shine. Then have your fund money over on the side here. But don't just do all or nothing. If you want to, start with the core and then move across. Now, if you're going to do that, what do you want? Well, you probably want access to ASX and global markets. You you don't need all that fancy crap like that charting, charting stuff. No. They, pay, they get you to pay for it. You don't need any of that stuff. Um, but if you 
if you do want like data and whatever, self-wealth provided, I think stake provided, but it may be a fee. I don't know if you use stake, I don't no. know. No. Comsec provided. Perla doesn't have any of the data. That's more like the, I guess they're focused on ETFs and the core. Um, who else is there? The others don't have hints. So I don't really, I'm not really don't interested. Like yeah, yeah. I'm not really interested in mentioning that. We still, as advised, we stick with the biggest big boy like Comsec. Yeah, Macquarie. Aussie X, Macquarie a little yeah. bit. Um, and most of the research is the same. Like you can get yeah. research and you're better off doing it like yourself as well. Yeah, absolutely. So there's some brokerages. We do have a report on the RAS website, which I will stick in a guide to brokerages. So I'll just put that, a guide to brokers. Uh, it's just to, yeah, just educate you a bit on the pricing of it. But that's the way to go. So core and satellite approach. Um, Drew, we might drop down to Andy J's question. Oh, no, zip, zip, slap. Do you want to go zip, zip, zap? No, no. <laughs> we can go down. No, can, we, you, can you win what? without having a question asked? <laughs> okay, we've got to do zip, zip, zap because it's <laughs> zip, zip, slap. Uh, Mary Zipmus, gents, with recession concerns rising slash arguably here, are there any ways you position your portfolio differently? I've been considering cutting slash reducing exposures for companies that offer a non-essential service who have a significant exposure to older demos that are being hit by rising rates slash cost of inflation. So maybe we'll answer this one quickly, Drew. I'd suggest older demographics are benefiting from yeah. higher rates. Yeah. Because they've got they can get more income from their investments, maybe and pensions going up quicker than every than everyone at one else's salary. So Yeah, I'd agree. Um some of the things just to recap what we've done recently, like is at this time, yes, you should always I think you should always be on a cleanse. You should always be looking at your portfolio and be like, what's the weakest link? Yeah. Uh, because at any one time you're free to sell a share. Free yep. to sell an investment and move into something. Always be doing that. But what I would say, some of the things that we've done recently is we've done the opposite of what the monkey brain tells you, I think, which is that now's the time to sell. Everything has fallen. Bonds are bad. Yeah. We've gone the opposite way on all of those things. Tech's bad. Growth's bad. Yeah. Now we, bad. If you just invert all of what Drew and I just said, that's what it's that's time what we're to doing. Do. Yeah. We're doing it through all our portfolios at the moment. Yeah. So we took some of the cash out of our model portfolio inside Rascal and we're shifting it into bonds. Long duration bonds. I sold out of the hybrid ETF, which is HBRD. It's the Cooler Bar BD, uh, Beta Shares one. It would, yeah. Um, <laughs> sold out of that, put the money into um, a V bond, a VBND. Same which, as us. Yep, yep. Um, it's a long duration, it's a long dated bond. Global portfolio. aggregate bond, bond portfolio, portfolio, mainly US treasuries. Yep. yep. Um, there's the VIF, but this is more diversified. Yep. And it's got better yield. Yep, definitely. Yeah. Um, and then we've still got IAF in the portfolio, which is the iShares uh, core composite bond ETF, but also hedged a little bit of the S&P 500. Yep. Jeez, this sounds really complicated. Currency. People yeah. are like, what's um, But basically, long story short, traditional types of investing, stocks, bonds, back in. Yep. That's what I'll say. Um, I'd just say, you know. It depends. <laughs> That was my follow-up answer, <laughs> not my initial answer. Okay, go. <laughs> it always depends. Uh, I don't say that at home either. <laughs> uh, I mean, you should always be building a portfolio that's resilient to multiple economic scenarios. That's my boring, straight-out answer. That if you're, and this is the problem, if you're thinking about what what a what impact a recession will have on your portfolio, well, it's already had it. Yeah. You know, yeah. Nasdaq's down thirty. S and P's down twenty. Aussies hold up mainly because of materials and energy. Every other sector in, in the market is down heavily from last year. Yep. The market always 
prices in what's going to occur in the future or what they expect to, to occur in the future. And when everyone's talking about recession, they're already putting in their portfolios. That's why the you know certain sectors are performing well in different in different periods of time. And it's kind of back to downtown Josh Brown. Yep. Like, don't if you you're predicting and trying to invest for a recession six months from now, you're crazy. Invest yep. for the next five or ten years and make decisions based on that. And if you did take that five to ten year approach, you'd be saying, oh, you're not crazy, but um, <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> but you, if you did take that five to ten year approach, you'd be thinking, huh. Prices are better now. Buying opportunity. Buying opportunity. Yeah. There you go. Um, Dirk Studley wrote in and said, would you consider Washington H.S.L. Pattinson, ASX, SOL is the ticker symbol, to be part of a long-term core holding in a portfolio? This is the company that's like the Australian version of Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway. This but seems like Owen, is this, did Owen Rask write this question? <laughs> no, but Dirk Studley, I feel like there's something, we could be way off kilter here. We, Are you like the chief ambassador for Washington H. Sol Patterson? <laughs> Actually, I was chatting to Tom Milne the other day, but I am not. But um, no, so- It is a quality, it's a quality company. It's a quality company. I, this is, they're only, because we talked about this, we talked about Wes Farmers and a few others on the show, but basically they're probably only like three to five direct companies in Australia that you might consider as part of a core holding because they're diversified like an ETF almost. Um, Solpats, Wes Farmers, um, and there are a few others that have those kind of diversified holdings. Yep. And so I would consider it in there. How do you value it as the follow-up question? Um, there are many different ways, but I mean, you don't really want to say some of the parts, but that's how you can do it. Um, basically, you can value what's inside the portfolio. So there's Brickworks and there's a bunch of other TPG companies that are publicly listed and you can get the value of the shareholding in that to create a book value. I won't bore you too much. It's a reasonable proxy, but you can also use a bunch more sophisticated measures. I'm happy to go in depth on Solpats in, in 2023. So we'll save it for then. Drew, I think I've got maybe two more questions for you. Um, one is your future client who says, hi, Drew, if your client has properties in a diversified share portfolio and is transitioning to retirement in five to 10 years, well, it's a big if, how would you manage the existing investment and alter the ongoing strategy for retirement planning? Would you sell down the growth shares and increase dividends? Like, I guess, I guess the question is, the crux of the question would be, as you approach retirement, if you're a bit heavy in property and you've invested in growth shares, what do you do from there? It... Depends. <laughs> uh, no, as an advisor, we'd have a broader discussion around something like this. Like you, you need to objectives. Yeah, I mean, you got you got a single objective. That's how do I generate um, the amount of income that I need from the assets that I currently have. Like, are they going to sell down properties or are they just holding on to the shares? Uh, and I think it's almost oversimplifying when you say, "Am I going growth shares versus dividend shares?" As we've been talking about here and and today and and in previous weeks, there's never been a a better opportunity to generate income from low-risk assets. Yeah. So the question wouldn't be, should I sell down growth to go into dividends? It's should I reduce, you know, an asset allocation question. Should I be reducing property? Maybe it's yielding four and you can get four in return deposit. Should I be reducing shares and buying fixed income or other investments? So it becomes more of a asset allocation driven question. And then within that asset allocation driven question, you look at your share allocation. And then that is, yes, you'd probably be tilting towards more dividends, but not necessarily the ones that are paying eight or ten percent. Yep. The ones that are growing sustainable income. Yep. So like a, a bit of yeah, a bit of this, everything. This is what we call the top-down approach, right? So you look at the overall pie and then you break it down from there. Um, 
maybe just I'll chime in with one thing is that a lot of Aussies do end up in this situation where they do have one big bulky asset like a property and you that's not ideal you have that concentration in the portfolio so if Drew was to do your pie chart it would look like a big chunk of it's in property yep. so just be mindful of that and that does take time to release you know you can sell sometimes you can sell things quickly sometimes you can't and sometimes selling them quickly isn't the best um thing to do so um i guess there's a couple more questions real quick if i can get like quick fire responses drew not harry javelin <laughs> harry javelin what is this one uh owen you mentioned you have a five-year plan <laughs> to buy a farm huh? don't touch it i have a similar five-year goal i'm wondering <laughs> How you are going to, about achieving that goal in terms of capital allocation? For example, percentage cash versus investing. Love the pod. Keep it up. 100% equity is what you're saying. <laughs> it's all or nothing, baby. Yeah. Uh, no, so uh, basically, like I've assessed, and you're gonna like you're gonna be like, do not say this. I've assessed that my risk profile is probably close to 90-10, To be honest, for my stage of life. And Mine too. How, how I feel and about this. business. Yeah, equity in your business would be part of. Like, your a lot of people don't realize if you don't if you don't run a business, you don't realize this. But a lot of the times, everything you own goes into a business. Yeah. So you know, I'm quite comfortable with risk, and for me, that's basically it. But Harry Javelin, if you're referring to what I said over on the Australian Finance Podcast, which is about buying a farm in a few years, specifically, what will be happening with that is that will also be equity from one of the properties or the property that I currently own. So that will be used in conjunction. It's going to be a property tycoon. So basically, it's going to be a house of cards. <laughs> <laughs> We're using equity, not debt. So basically, it's That's a right. Ponzi scheme. Yeah. Pyramid. Ponzi? Pyramid. 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 Not Ponzi. I'm not selling nothing. Reverse triangle. Yeah. <laughs> So that's that one. Thanks for the good question. Uh, interesting name. So, <laughs> speaking of, there's another one. Final question we'll go with for today, which is one hair left. Says who? Do, <laughs> who do people with small businesses and no mortgage but money to invest see for advice? Surely that's the winner. <laughs> If you know what it means. <laughs> I would prefer um, to build wealth outside of super due to the fact you can't access it till retirement. It would seem financial products and advisors are geared to young people with a mortgage or people who want to lock their money away until 65 <clears throat> or 65. Or R65. Or yeah. R65. Thanks, guys. I mean, this is the issue in financial advice at the moment because 10,000 advisors have left the industry. There's only 15,000 left. There's a significant difference between the quality and then focus of different advisors. Yeah, Heaps of product-driven, heaps of insurance-driven, heaps of mortgage-broken-driven, heaps of SMSF. Very few do comprehensive, which yeah. look at everything. And even fewer can help business owners, and small business owners particularly. Yeah. And I think what I'd say here is you want, you need an advisor. And there, there are quite a few of them. You, you don't know. You, the problem is you don't know from what they say because everyone will say they can do it. You don't only know once you meet them and that can take time. That you want someone that runs their own business, mm -hmm. like yourself or myself and Jamie, who have run businesses and understand yeah. the emotion and the challenges that come with running a business, because that actually drives your investment and your broader strategy. Yeah, it is like you're basically getting this. You need to be a, almost like a jack of all trades for this, because you need to understand tax. You need to understand navigating a legal framework. You need to understand retirement. And yep. You need to understand like the basis of. Financial and exit strategy. You have to yeah. understand how to sell businesses, uh, equity agreements, 
Yeah. But most importantly, one of the biggest challenges probably for advisors is having the ability to defer to other experts. Yep. So you're a good advisor to a small business owner should be willing to work with an accountant and a lawyer rather than yeah. try to do everything in-house. Uh, for that type of thing, you definitely want to make sure your advisor is comfortable working with a good lawyer. I found a lot of them, there's probably more of these because we uh, we work with a lot of, or we meet and talk to a lot of advisors. Um, a lot of more are based in Melbourne than in other cities oh, really? for some reason. I think there's a, there's a, Sydney seems to be the center of more investment banking style yep. and broking style advice. Um, a lot more in Melbourne. We naturally do it. Uh, and there's a lot of other groups similar to us that would. Yeah, right. Okay. So one here left. We've actually had a few questions on this over the last few months. There's actually a pretty big need. It probably, it's probably a thing because we do have the Australian <laughs> Business Podcast and they probably listen to this one as well. Yeah. And they probably think, these guys know something about it. <laughs> something about it. So um, yeah, I mean, yes. Uh, you got to find someone with experience and shop around, honestly. Ask them. Have a meeting with them. The first meeting's free. Just go and talk to them. Um, and see if you feel comfortable because you won't always feel comfortable with your advisor. And I would probably just push back on the comment that a lot of advice is dealing with younger people. Probably, I'd say it's probably harder for people that are younger to get advice because yeah. it's, just, it's just so expensive for young people. Definitely. Um, it could be about to change in the next 12 months though. Yeah, that's, that's we what can hope for. Yeah. So anyway, Drew, we've covered a lot. We've gone for a bloody hour. Um, just under, that's a record. It's a record. Um We've had some, we've got obviously a lot of stuff we're working on. By far the most important thing you can do if you want to get financial planning advice is to speak to Jamie or Drew. Um, give them a test drive. <laughs> nah, but seriously, Drew, thanks for thanks for joining us. You get to waterpartners.com.au slash contact or there is a link in your show notes to a landing page that will tell you a bit about them. Um, you can find out more about uh, what we do at RASC by heading to the show notes and heading to rask.com.au. You can become a member for $9.99 a month. It's super cheap. Uh, we do a bunch of other stuff. But send in your questions. We'll be back on the airways next week, next Saturday morning. Send them on any of the Rask websites, even in your podcast player right in front of you right now. Oh, we didn't give the funny funny award. One hair left. One, one hair left. left. If you wrote the question, one hair left, attention, one hair left, aisle six, <laughs> um, please come to the register, send us an email, say that was me and we'll give you a free course. If you don't want it, you can give it to a friend. Drew, Meredith, thanks for joining me. It's good to see you. For more than a decade, I've been hunting for the best investors and their methods, strategies, and tools for investing. After years in the industry, countless books, a few degrees, and 1,000 podcasts and live shows, I've rolled this accumulated knowledge into something called Rask Invest. If you've ever heard me talk about a core and a satellite, active and passive, true long-term compounding, or you simply want to know exactly how I would invest... Now is your chance. Rask Invest is our new investment service, designed for all types of investors who want professional management of their core portfolio at a low cost from a team they trust. Rask Invest helps you automate your wealth creation and passive income. Simply click the link that says Invest with Owen in your podcast player to join one of our live platform walkthroughs or book a call with us. You can also view the Rask Invest PDS and TMD and get invested with me.